Last week, we had a chat with Brent Davidson, who'd been over to Japan and driven a couple of Subarus. While he was there, he also stopped and had a look at the Tokyo Motor Show. What was it like? Well, he joins us on the line to have a chat about it. Brent, it's very much a, a Japanese thing, isn't it? It's, uh, there are a number of companies, particularly the Koreans, who don't really bother to turn up. That's right, David. Yeah, the, the, the Koreans stay away. You don't see a Ford Blue Oval anywhere. Um, Chevrolet, no bow ties around there. It's very, very much the Japanese show. You, you will see the Audis and the Porsches and the Ferraris and thing because they are big sellers in Japan to the super high flyers. But other than that, look, it's, it's all... I'm going to use the word weird, but not in a bad way. It's the weird kind of stuff that, um, that the natives of Tokyo want to get into because when you live in a city that is, has a higher population than the entire population of Canada, you need to have something a little unusual for your, for your personal transportation. You can sort of get more dreams there. It's not just the practicality because I guess a lot of people won't get near a car, so it can be that sort of dream of something that you might achieve as well whether it be just the practical level or the super exotic and if you're going to dream why not dream the whole way but also david the, the japanese engineers and designers have come up with a way to sort of blend dreams and reality i mean there's some lovely stuff there that you could say that could be in production next week or next month or next year there are many cars that are like that, not just the one or two that, yeah, look, we're showing you a, um, a production-ready prototype or a production-ready concept. You're actually looking at cars, you can say, mate, that could be on the road next month. You talked about the exotic, of course. There is the Mazda RX Vision. Yeah, look, the, the RX Vision, this is, this is a car, I mean, we all are familiar with the old RX 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, no, not the RX 6, that didn't exist, but you know where I'm going. The RX stood for rotary engine, and, and this is the latest take on where a rotary engined sports coupe might go for Mazda. I mean, officially they killed the, the, the rotary engine off as a production engine in 2012. That's not to say that they're not still uh, developing it with their sky active technology. And depending on who you listen to, it's got uh, laser ignition instead of uh, spark plugs and it's got direct fuel injection. There might be a little turbocharger blowing away at it. It might even actually be the thing that serves up the power as a, um, for a range extender uh, plug-in hybrid. You know, there, there are many ways to go. And, and, the, and the really, really sad thing was the Mazda folks weren't actually telling us any of this. They were just saying, admire our car, which, by the way, looks beautiful, classic, long, long, long nose, short cabin and a, and a nice fastback tail. It's a little bit of uh, anything Aston Martin and perhaps a little bit of Ferrari California can do we can do as well yeah exactly but i mean the master guys they, they don't really care that they may have borrowed some elements from three or four other designers so they, they just want to showcase the car and, and in doing so showcase the engine which we're not going to see because it's tucked out of the bonnet <laughs> there is a, that strange strange little mix that is the japanese motor industry right there <laughs> I wasn't being derogatory to it. I, I thought it was, you know, a nice balanced car. It is. Which it really is. can aspire to some of those top-of-the-range ones in terms of its elegance and look. In fact, a couple of Japanese car manufacturers were getting into that. Yamaha had a sports ride concept, which is sort of a, oh. a little bit of Lotus and uh, at the front looked a little bit, no, oh, I don't know, a, a, a cross between a McLaren and a, an Alpha 159. 
Yeah, and, and it is only a, a well, relatively tiny car. It's a beautiful looking thing, as you say. It's a little bit of Lotus, a little bit of McLaren. Yamaha has been building uh, motorcycle engines for years, and and in Japan, when mainstream car manufacturers like Toyota want um, performance engines, they always have a chat to Yamaha. I mean, Yamaha builds uh, V8 engines for Volvo. That's where Yamaha takes its engineering levels to. So to actually come up with a car, not that big a jump. And look, let's hope that this is just the, the one that, that finally makes it in, into production for this, this motorcycle manufacturer who wants to do what Suzuki and Honda have done before it. Talking of crossover, to a degree, we've seen a, quite a lot of small SUVs uh, that really, uh, in the design studio, are wonderfully exotic looking, sitting high on the wheels but with cut down roofs. We've never really seen them finally get into production. Perhaps their time are coming. Mitsubishi's EX, an electric vehicle, might be an example of that. It looked pretty sexy. It is a very sexy car, um, if you want to call an SUV sexy. But yeah, like, as you say, the, the low glass house, the, the, the big wheels, the high sides, it's got a sort of a, I don't know, feudal knight's helmet look about it, which in, in a good way. But yes, electric, they, again, they won't tell us a lot of detail like, other than the, the, the car itself. It has the suicide-style rear door, no middle pillar, so that when you open it up, you have this vast sort of oblong shaped opening to make entry and exit very easy they are that close that close with electric cars uh, I was talking to one engineer and he said we need to get two things done we need to be able to get a 400 kilometer battery range and we need to be able to get 15 minutes charging the little smile on his face suggested that they're not that far away on, on either count once we get those practical sorts of features, then I think they will just really boom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, can you imagine, David, getting into your your electric car that uh, has no tailpipe emissions, you can drive far enough in the morning, stop for lunch, and while you're having lunch, your car is on the charger. When you've finished your lunch, you come out, your car is full, you can complete the journey, and away you go. That's it. That's, it's that easy. It will be, will, will be no more difficult than stopping at the servo and fueling up your car with petrol. The other thing it removes is the worry about running out. When you've only got 150 kilometres, they found this out that when they put more chargers in suburbs around a city, people tended to drive their electric cars more, but they rarely charged them on those chargers. It was just nice to know they were there, yep. and so they had a degree of confidence. Range anxiety will, for a long time, be the thing with electric cars, because... When the fuel gauge goes to zero on your petrol car, you can actually go and walk to the nearest servo, and there are plenty of them, and, and buy $10 worth of fuel and bring it back and tip it in your car. You can't go to the nearest shop and buy a big case of Everedis and tip those down the, down the hole because it just doesn't work. If we can get that range anxiety out of the way, it's, it's a done deal with electric cars. And part of that anxiety is not having to spend hours charging yep. to being, as you said, to be able to, to get a good range in a, perhaps up to 15 minute charge time. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, if you want to still talk about strange cars, or, well, not that we'll call the Mitsubishi a strange car, but, but one of my little favourites was a Suzuki Mighty Deck. As soon as I saw the name of that, I began to worry, but... Uh, <laughs> 
Did it remind you of things past? It did. It reminded me, obviously, of the, of the, of the Mighty Boys. So anybody who can rem- remember that, um, yeah, the, the little the little Ute that um, terrorised Australian roads. I'll go honest. I, I'd seen bigger eskies in my time, but but the Mighty Deck sort of pays a little bit of a tribute to the to the to the Mighty Boy, but has a lot of wood panelling. Um, it has a a, a rear uh, cargo deck that folds back up and becomes a bit of a dicky seat. You get a canvas roof that goes over that, that dicky seat area. There's a whole lot of nice things going on with this car. It will never become a production car, but it, gee, it was you know, as, as a fun toy to look at. And You know, you go to a motor show and there aren't that many cars that ever bring a smile to your face. This is one that did for me. I stood there and had a little bit of a grin and thought, good on you guys, and kept on going. Uh, it's memorable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely memorable. I remember the Japanese put out at the Tokyo Motor Show some years ago a car which I described as looking like an electric razor with a toaster sitting on top. It had that sort of grill at the front and the base that looked like an, a square electric shaver yep. and this toaster-like thing on the front. And to this day, I remember it. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Well, I, I think I might be the same with the Mighty Deck. I'll never aspire to one, but, you know, I, I could, it, it gave me some amusement. Uh, we will get the boys, I think, to talk about a bit too, just to relive days of dicky seats and uh, <laughs> Uh, that they had the mini. Oh well, also they had the. Uh, you were going to mention the air trizer there. Yeah, yeah, the air trizer. Um, look, when you th- th- this is a Suzuki van, right? Much like the thing that every small hardware store has running around every small carpet shop, etc. Because it's been um, tricked up a little bit and, and one of those tricks was to have two big sliding doors on one side. Uh, again, no central B pillar. And so what happens is uh, you have a, a huge opening and it inside it has a, a wooden deck floor and a lounge suite basically. So you can actually sit in in this in this car with your comfortable leather lounge suite, sit back, watch your video, play with your computer that's built in, blah blah blah. And when you're ready to drive off, you fold the seats back up into a make it back into a six seater car, and away you go. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's that sort of convertible, so to speak, convertible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But again, look, it's it's not meant to be taken seriously. It's it's meant to be a fun thing. It 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 more or less shows off what their designers and engineers are capable of, and what versatility their vehicles can be given. You never know. That might be the future. Different needs and different things going on. Let alone if it becomes autonomous. Exactly right. Exactly right. There you go. I, I hadn't even thought of that, David. That's why you're on, on that end of the phone and I'm on this end. Well, overall, a very, very uh, interesting time, as they all are, and quirky, I think, and very Japanese. Well, let me, let me just say, David, that of, of the motor shows that I attend on an annual basis, Geneva at the start of the year um, really gives you a taster for what is to come. And the Japanese, the Tokyo Motor Show, at the almost at the end of the year, is a nice little dessert and palate cleanser to see you out for the year. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Uh, uh, yeah, perhaps it's a little bit like the old Mazda we drive in between test cars. Um, I always call it my sorbet car. There you it's go. Sort of clean, 
it cleanses the palate <laughs> and, uh, and allows you to get in there. Usually, you get out of you know, always getting out of one test car and the other. It's always good to drive something in the in the middle that just cleans your your palate, brings you back to normal. Brent, lovely to talk to you. I always appreciate your time, David. It's always my pleasure. Brent Davidson, our good friend from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury, talking about the Tokyo Motor Show.